Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, and by the time you hear this, people will already be lining the streets downtown to get a spot for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration. The event, which officials expect will draw at least 700,000 people, starts with a parade at noon and a rally in front of Union Station at 145. And it'll cost more than a million dollars, including overtime costs of police and other city departments. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas says the price tag will be worth it. This is something where I think Kansas City taxpayers do a lot to help support something that is a true regional event. We'll hear more from the mayor about the parade and other major city issues, including racism in the city fire department and reparations for black Kansas Citians. But first, some headlines. 600 people got a first look at the new Kansas City International Airport Terminal yesterday. The volunteers participated in a simulation where they behaved like travelers departing from and arriving at the new terminal. Volunteers checked into their flights, walked to their gates, picked up their luggage at baggage claim, and saw the terminal's new facilities along the way. Lisa Qualls says she's happy with the new facility, especially the new food stands that will feature Kansas City businesses. It's up there with the big boys. I was just talking to a dear friend of mine about how it feels grown up. The new terminal cost $1.5 billion and is the most expensive public infrastructure project in Kansas City. It will open to the public on February 28th. A bill in the Kansas legislature could punish doctors with legal action or a loss of their license if they give hormone blockers or surgeries to anyone under 18 as part of a gender transition. Chloe Cole is a conservative activist from California who travels the country testifying in favor of legislation banning gender-affirming care for children. National advocacy group Do No Harm paid her to testify at the Kansas legislature. She says she regrets her decisions to have a double mastectomy and puberty blockers and worries she can't get pregnant now. I wasn't thinking about having a kid. I had no idea what that might look like for me. I was still a minor. Opponents of the bill say Cole's case is uncommon. They say helping transgender children transition saves lives by lowering the suicide rate among a vulnerable minority. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas is up for re-election this year. He stopped by KCUR to talk about the biggest stories in the city right now, including plans to reduce gun violence and what he thinks needs to change in the fire department. Here's part of his conversation with KCUR's Steve Kraske, edited for length. 
So now you're back. We have this big parade. How ready is the city for this thing? The city is incredibly ready. Hmm. So uh, we have been blessed in recent years to go through a Royals parade, which many of us remember and were able to attend back in 2015, the Chiefs parade in 2020, and now this one. Each time you will see material improvements, more porta potties, more opportunities for child reunification spaces. Frankly, this is in our first rodeo. Yes, absolutely. More accessibility spaces. And so we have really thousands of city employees, including law enforcement, our waste management crews, so many others who are ready to help support the parade tomorrow. We just need people coming out to be safe, be smart, and be as kind as they possibly can to city workers. Um, is the city bearing the entire cost of this parade? You know, the city puts a lot up for this parade. There is $750,000, which is a direct appropriation from city council. We expect probably up to a million dollars or so of overtime. That's Kansas City Police Department, our fire department folks, and public works who are doing a lot of the trash pickup and beyond. And so that is a high cost from taxpayers of Kansas City to help support it. You know, you read about these parades, and what you read is that owners of NFL Super Bowl winning teams oftentimes pay for the entire parade or a big chunk of it. That's not happening here? You know, that's that's not the Kansas City story thus far. It's always mm-hmm. something I think that we'd be happy to discuss further with the Chiefs. I know that uh, we are, are doing a lot, and particularly when you looked at a year like 2020, where there were real fiscal challenges, it is not necessarily easy for us to put it on. That being said, I know the Chiefs are participants in a few different investments and enterprises in Kansas City coming up, none greater than the 2026 World Cup. I know they will be part of the NFL draft and helping fund that. And I know on the private fundraising side. The Sports Commission does important work with a lot of our partners, including the Chiefs, to make sure there are private funds to help make sure we can uh, pull this event off at the level I think Kansas Cityans have grown to expect. But as you know, challenges remain. Let's uh, turn uh, topics here and uh, point to that report on the Kansas City Fire Department mayor, which revealed big problems with the department's culture. Some firefighters reported that they had been grabbed in sexually inappropriate ways, subjected to racial slurs at fire stations. The city's taken steps the last two years to to improve working conditions there. Why hasn't that been enough? Uh, because the report suggests it hasn't been anywhere near enough. You know, I could give you the politician's answer. I could give you the real answer. I think it is fair for anyone who's been looking at our fire department for years to note, and this was raised in the report, that while administrators may change, sometimes changing culture is a lot harder. It requires the cooperation of the union, It requires the cooperation of a lot of folks who have had, I think, some influence on that department for decades, if not generations. But we need to make sure that it's a space where everyone, regardless of background, particularly women in the fire department, particularly minorities on the fire department who've had concerns, feel like any concerns or grievances they have will be addressed fully and fairly without actually being caught up or held up by anybody along the way who may say, all right, we hear you, but we're not going to push for, I think, the type of aggressive change sometimes that we need. But this wasn't happening two years ago when these concerns first began to surface? I think it is fair to say that we continue to improve. I think that our our last fire chief, Donna Lake, our first female fire chief, worked hard to change a lot in the organization to make sure that folks could actually get the support that they need, particularly if they have some concerns. But I don't think we – I'll take this, and I've been in office for eight years almost. I don't think we have always done enough, and and I don't think even in the last eight years we have done enough to make that cultural change and shift that we need. Because if this doesn't change, I'm sure you're looking 
looking at tens of billions of dollars in lawsuits here. I mean, it's, it, it's going to have to change one way or the other. You're absolutely right. Now, the city of Kansas City already faces a $32 million lawsuit. Now, right. it, it relates to an accident, but you can always kind of tie those to training and other issues. If you add on harassment, if you add on hostile workplace, it becomes a real concern. And I think it is fair for the taxpayers to say, wait a minute, what is what is going on with all of this? What are we doing to change that culture? at all, both of our public safety departments. And I think that is something that needs to be done. It needs to be addressed now. But importantly, it needs to be something that isn't just a conversation at city council. I don't think there is an ordinance we can pass that changes the culture. I think it is making sure in our next fire chief hire, we have someone who has the strength, who isn't looking over his shoulder or her shoulder about being terminated if they go too far, and making sure that they can hold folks who commit wrongdoing accountable. You know, it's interesting what this report uh, pointed out, because it does get to some things that just have you shaking your head. One finding, firefighters treat fire scenes in poorer neighborhoods differently from more affluent neighborhoods. That was one. Another finding, erratic driving on the way to fires was actually honored in some ways in some firehouses. What do you make of that? I think it is fair to say that the cultural challenges that we talk about aren't just in one place, which is is frustrating, but I think it at least is an honest assessment. It is easy for us to say, all right, we need to do more sensitivity training. But this isn't really that. This is instead the sort of thing that says you need a little more institutional control. You need to actually have somebody who's who's kind of minding the door to see what is happening, what is being tolerated. And we need to, with our next fire chief, make that exceedingly clear that that is the job. The job isn't necessarily to be everybody's friend. The job isn't necessarily to even be the most technical expert on, on how to deliver, I don't know, the best fire department performance. It really is to make sure that we're maintaining a culture that supports every person on our fire department, which will help us actually attract more firefighters, I think, deliver better public services to the people of Kansas City. You know, the city council mayor just passed a resolution on how the proceeds from the 3% marijuana sales tax can be spent. Basically, the council decided one third goes to trash pickup, a third to the city's homelessness response, and the final third to expand violence prevention efforts. How did the city come up with those three priorities for this money? And do you agree with the split that's been proposed here? So this was a, a proposal that I've actually introduced. And I believe the, the way that we have talked about it and discussed it is based on what we hear from the public. So how do we, in these chronically underfunded spaces, homelessness, trash pickup, particular illegal dumping, violence prevention, where every year we say there's just not enough to hit it. I think this is why we looked at these particular areas as distinct from, for example, the Kansas City Police Department, which in our budget proposal has a $280 million budget. This fund and percentage share of marijuana taxes predicted in year one to put about a million dollars into violence prevention. $280 million versus $1 million we thought was a reasonable balance. Same things with investments like homelessness and trash pickup. You know, Mayor, I'm struck by something else these days uh, from the news. The Missouri Chamber of Commerce has been decrying the violent crime rate in, in the state, and it's released a list of remedies that it would like the General Assembly to consider. But nowhere in that document is the word guns mentioned, at least yeah. at what I've seen, or the idea of getting, the, uh, get, getting guns out of the hands of dangerous people. What do you make of it? 
Well, it's it's what I might expect from a chamber of commerce that typically don't ever pick fights, but at least, I guess, are rallying around the idea that this is problematic. I think what we need to actually do is look at how do we actually cause gun violence, and I say that as a critique to the Missouri legislature, where violence is used solely as a political wedge issue. What they are doing right now in Jefferson City is merely attacking Basically, black women elected office holders. Here's the challenge. We've, we have fought for the last several years on all types of things, public safety related, budgets and all of that. And I'll remind you in my own city, right? The police get a very substantial budget. They basically been getting the 25%. We had a whole fight over. Right. And, we still have really this terrible increase, this trend over the last three years of our most violent years in the city's history. Money is not enough. Just saying the same red meat buzzwords are not enough. You have to get to root causes and you have to have a state where you can get guns off the street. At the same time, some lawmakers in Jeff City, as you know, Mayor, are looking to place St. Louis's police department back under state control, going just the opposite direction that you'd like to see happen here in Kansas City. Do you, what do you make of that? What does that do to our chances here? Yeah, I mean, look, controlling black lives has been something that people who are, um, if not fundamentally racist or latently racist, have been doing in this state for really since it's founded. And so I think this is the exact thing that you're seeing here. Um, it is an easy talking point if you live somewhere that is not St. Louis or Kansas City to say, look at, and I'm saying race a lot because it fundamentally relates to it. Look at the scary black people in this city who are running things now. This was not a conversation under the 16-year tenure of white Mayor Francis Slay. It was not a conversation under Mayor Lida Cruzen, a white woman who was the mayor previous to this one in St. Louis. And it's it's the sort of thing that, to me, relates fundamentally to control. There is no one in the Missouri legislature who can tell us how St. Louis would be safer under state control, because the case in point is Kansas City, Missouri, which had its most violent year in 2020. You're on the hook now to appoint a commission to study the possibility of black reparations in Kansas City. When do you expect to name that commission? And have you formed any opinions yet as to what those reparations should look like? There a few things that I think are going to be very important as to what we do with reparations. The first is I think we do need to do a full inventory of what has gone wrong in the past. I talk to people sometimes who say, all right, but I didn't own a slave or I wasn't on the city council in 1880. But the amazing thing is the truce divide is not accidental. The, the patterns in which we live today are not just mere happenstances of history. They are based on acts that we as a city, businesses in this city, media in this city took to try to make sure that I think a class of persons would be subjugated. For me, I think it, it is less likely that it is just a cash transfer. It is more likely it's the sort of thing of how do we reinvest and rebuild in areas that we have traditionally underinvested. And that to me is what I think, uh, what I'd like to see out of the reparations. But I'm hearing from the tone of your voice that you want these reparations, whatever they turn out to be, to be meaningful, to be significant. Yeah, yeah I, I think, and I think I want them to be the sort of thing that actually can create monumental change in areas of the city and for populations of our city that have been traditionally left out. I can talk to you forever about health outcomes, housing outcomes, and beyond. I think that this is the work we need to do to build a better city, to have, be, have one that can have Super Bowl parades, but also everybody's lives having the chance to be uplifted. That was Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas talking to KCUR's Steve Kraske on Up to Date. You can hear their entire conversation at KCUR.org.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.